Acts chapter 11, and we'll be finishing up our time in Acts 11 this morning. Um, We'll be looking at verses 27 through 30. And what we're going to see here is an example of the local church becoming the global church. And we're going to be able to see that by their giving, their presence, and them being in community. And as we look at our scripture this morning, uh, I would like to offer you some encouragement, right? And my wife would tell you if she was in here, encouragement always isn't in my vocabulary, right? Uh, I'm somebody that considers myself somewhat of an optimistic catastrophist, right? So I always think that something really bad is going to happen, but I'm just extremely hopeful that it won't, right? So a lot of times encouragement can be something that I don't talk about a lot. But at the end of the day, I do want to give you some encouragement this morning, right? To the encouragement to know that as we look around this place, we should be able to see a group of people that will have each other's back, that are willing to help each other. But not only the people in this building, but other Christians that go to other churches, right? Churches in other towns, churches in other countries, churches in completely different traditions of Christianity, We as Christians should be there for each other, and that's the way that it should be. Amen? That's exactly what we see in our text this morning. So if you go ahead, look at it with me. Starting in verse 27. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in in the days of Claudius. The disciples... So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Amen. So if we boil it all down this morning, the main point I want us to recognize today is that the Christian life is not a solo ride. Right? The Christian life is not a solo ride. In verse 27, we read that the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, this would have been a big deal to the church that that these people came, right? As we read in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, the prophets were only second to the apostles. So what they say here truly does matter, right? They have some type of spiritual authority that requires some attention. The IVP uh, Bible commentary says that these prophets would have been something similar to an itinerant preacher, Right? So something like we would think of today as an evangelist going town to town and sharing the word of God everywhere that they went. And in this context, they obviously do see or have the gift to foresee things coming in the future. Right? And that's exactly what Agabus does here as he tells the church in Antioch of this great coming famine. And this shortage of both food and resources can be seen in history. Historians like Josephus uh, wrote of a great famine that came over the entire world as they knew it during the times of Claudius, spanning somewhere between 46 and 48 AD. They wrote that this famine stretched well outside the region of Palestine and had long-lasting ramifications for several, several years afterwards. So the church did what any church in this scenario should do. They gave. They gave quickly. They gave with purpose, and they gave proportionately. Once the need was known, the members of the church decided that they would send relief in the form of an offering, both individually and corporately. Right? Verse 29, the disciples determined everyone according to his ability 
to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. So it wasn't just pulling from the resources that the church already had, right? I'm sure some of that did occur, but it's, it would seem here that people would either give in place of or donate extra to support this mission. Those who had more would give more, and those who had less would give less, and, and that's perfectly fine, right? We can't give what we don't have. And it wouldn't be good for the people that had less to put themselves in a place of starvation knowing that this famine was coming. Instead, the church in Antioch gave dependence on their ability, right? It's like what our church giving verse says, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? But beware of this. There are some people who would tell you to give over your ability. So the people that would tell you to give over paying your bills or over being able to feed your family, right? Because you're in some way sowing a seed into this ministry that will multiply in your lives significantly. My friends, I would tell you to drop teachers that tell you things like that. Do not take in their teachings Do not buy their books. Do not associate with their ministries. Drop them completely from your life as a believer. Because they're out for one thing and only one thing, and it isn't God. Here's the thing. To make right choices at the right time, we must be in community with each other. Because we as Christians are meant to be in fellowship with one another. Communing with other Christians, as we will do later at the table living life with other Christians. No matter the differences that we have, we have, we should be there for each other. <clears throat> this, is a point in, yeah, this is an important point that fellowship shouldn't end when we leave this building. When we leave this building and when we're back at home, when we're back at the ranch, when we're back at our jobs, whatever we normally do, when we're not here, we should still be there for each other. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're a family, right? And when it comes down to it, if one member of our family needs something, we should be able to come together to supply those needs. Yeah, I think we, especially in the U.S., sometimes think so individualistically sometimes that we forget about that. And this is in a way led to many, after COVID especially, it's led them to be okay with just watching church on a screen. And before everybody that's watching online or listening to the podcast gets upset with me, I want you to hear me out here. There's a difference between a church member who watches online out of necessity and somebody who just watches out of convenience. Yeah, (laughs) There's a difference between a church member who watches online services out of necessity and somebody who watches them out of convenience. You need to be connected with the people in the body, right? Whether it's here or even another church, there needs to be that connection. If you are to be discipled as we are called to be, you need to be able to talk with other people within the Christian body. You need to be able to study the word with other people within the body, right? You need to be able to talk to the pastors of those churches. There's something there that, that connects you to that body, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. 
But somebody who just watches services online, if we're, if we're just being honest here, it's just a completely different thing. The watcher isn't getting into community, right? They aren't being discipled. They're not living out the Christian life with fellow believers as we are called to do, right? Hebrews 10 tells us, let us, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not, le- not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more to see all the more as you see the day drawing near see some are content with just sitting on their couch on a sunday morning and just or realistically whenever they feel like it and, and just taking in a motivational speech basically draped in the bible and then going about their day my friends that's a problem but from what i've seen We don't have a lot of that here, and that's a wonderful thing, but the temptation is always there for Christians to do something like that. And a lot of people, especially, like I said, especially in this country, have fallen into that, right? You'll hear people say things like, why do I need to go to church? Or you'll hear people say things like, the woods are my church. Right here in in Florida, closer to the coast, you may hear, the beach is my church, right? Or more specific to this area, some could say that the air between the horse's ears is my church. Right? Let me get some hands. Has anybody ever actually heard people say some things like that before? Because I know I have, I have family members that say some things like that. And sure, you can, you can connect with God in those places. Right? You can connect with God anywhere. But my friends, if that's your mentality, then you are just completely missing out. And I just really don't know another way to put that. You're truly missing out on the fullness of our faith. You're missing out on the love. You're missing out on the compassion, the healing, and so much more that comes with being a part of a local Christian body of believers. That at the end of the day is worldwide in its nature, just as God intended it to be. And we have here in Acts chapter 11 such a great example of that. We have here a group of Christians coming together to support another group of Christians. Being that community of believers, being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. They came together as a group and they said, yes, this is, this is an important thing. These are our brothers and sisters and we need to be able to support them from this. My friends, as things get tougher for the church around the world and, and even here in the U.S., we need to be able to give those types of gifts to other churches and other people. And I know to some, some, somebody standing up here saying that the church may have a difficult time coming in the U.S. might cause an eye roll, but we need to be real here. There was a teenager that just got arrested in Canada for handing out Bibles at a Catholic school of all places. Right? So tougher times may be on the horizon. and We need to keep that in mind. So yes, we need to be able to give these types of gifts. We need to be ready to give these types of gifts. Whether it be food or money or supply preachers, whatever that they need, we should be able to support that need. And this is one way that we can show people the love of Christ here on earth by being there for each other. And I think this is an important point, right, that that we need to make in this text. Antioch was essentially a Gentile church, 
right? Sure, there were Jews here in this church, but as Pastor Tim explained a few weeks ago, a lot of them were just Jewish in name only, right? They didn't practice a lot of what they believed. This could bring up one of my pet topics of cultural Christianity, but that is another sermon for another Sunday. But the implication here is that there were most likely many Greek Gentiles that came to faith within this church And these two groups between the Gentiles and the Jews wouldn't have had much to do with each other before coming to faith. I mean, we got to remember what it says back in the beginning of chapter 11, that the apostles and brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, or the Jewish believers, criticized him. So this gift, in a way, is an olive branch, right? Just as it was a little later in chapter 11 when, uh, when they sent Barnabas down to Antioch to teach them. We may have cultural, political, or even racial differences with some other churches. But that doesn't and it shouldn't matter in these types of scenarios. I love the way that the, Bible, or the uh, Tony Evans Bible commentary puts it here. Recognizing that they were all part of the same family of God, Gentile believers in Antioch provided loving support to Jewish believers in need. Regardless of their past divisions between their people groups, these individuals saw other Christians as their brothers and sisters and acted accordingly. Right? I think that's really good right there. This stewardship that we see in our text is the new covenant community seen first within Jerusalem, now expanding by the church in Antioch to include churches outside of their local area. And I know that we would do that here as well, right? And how do I know that? Agape, right? For those who don't know, Agape is the uh, youth home and school that we sponsor over in India. And that has all of it there, right? Cultural differences, racial differences, political differences, persecution of the church, all of it ends in that scenario because India is a very different place than the United States. But what we see there is a group of Christians who are in need of of supplies and in need of money, and what we do is we help them in any way that we can. And that's the way that it should be. That's something that we see from a lot of organizations today. Right? Organizations like Operation Blessing, I'm sure most of us have heard of Samaritan's Purse. Right? From my former denomination, the United Methodist Corps or Committee on Relief, because everything has to be a committee over there. Um, but we call it UMCOR. Right? All these groups do phenomenal work in the area of the Christian community coming together around a common goal and supporting other Christians, or even non Christians in most of these scenarios. And we should be able to do that locally as well. And we're trying our hand at that, right? We see it in our wind ministry. Women helping other women in need. We see it in our financial help ministry where we help people that can't get their bills met. It's a, it's a group of Christians coming together to help other Christians. Our bags of love that help with groceries. We'll have a clothing drive running during VBS. The other day, we had a member that just needed a ride to work, and that need was met. Some churches are running shelters out of their buildings for the homeless and the abused. Some churches have hot food ministries. We need to continue to support our uh, one church services that we locally do in this area. 
All of these things that we are called to do as the covenant family of God are just so important, and we need to make sure that we continue on that path. And I want to break down a, a, just a personal example of this quickly. Uh, a good friend of mine is the senior pastor of a church called The Sower back in Maryland. And he actually just graduated this weekend with a Master in Divinity, so praise God for that. But uh, Casey and I, before our daughter was born, frequented his church. They were do Saturday night services every week, so it was really convenient. We were able to go there, and we were able, also able to go to our standard service that we would go to on Sunday morning, mornings. Uh, we are part of the, the original crew that really got that church off the ground. Right? He gave me the opportunity to preach there quite a few times. As a matter of fact, that pastor was the pastor who really gave me my first opportunity to preach uh, when he was running a youth group out of a different church before they had their separation. But after Mackenzie was born, it just became very difficult for us to go to those types of services because it was Kenzie's bedtime around when they would do these services. But before Kenzie was born, uh, I tested positive for COVID. It was a completely you know, asymptomatic case. But the job that I had at the time decided to let me go, right? I had already been taking a lot of time off because of worries of complications in Casey's pregnancy. Uh, there were some things going on at work, and I guess COVID was just really the final nail in the coffin in that scenario. But praise God that that happened because at the end of the day, me losing that job put me in the position for me to be put in my first church as a pastor, right? So God's time is always better than ours. Amen? But when my friend found this out, he came together with his church leadership, and what they did was they cut us a check so we would be able to make sure that the, at least two months of all of our bills were paid. Right? Not every bill necessarily, but all the necessities. Right? Our rent was covered. Our electric was covered. It covered groceries. It was just such a blessing that Casey and I will never really be able to repay that church for even before we moved down here, uh, they took up a love offering in that church for us, for, you know, us driving down and all that. They're genuinely just a wonderful group of believers that do what they can and do what they should as the church. My friends, that, that charity, that compassion that they put forward to us, that love that they put forward to us, that is true Christian fellowship and community. And understand that it doesn't always need to be financial needs that are met. It can be as simple as uh, just listening to somebody, right? And I mean actually listening with both your ears and your heart to their issues and letting them know that, they're, that you're there for them, right? That itself is the ministry of presence, but you cannot have a ministry, if I could say that word this morning, it would be fantastic, but you cannot have a ministry of presence if you are not present in the body. Saying a simple prayer with, some per, with somebody sitting in the seat in front of you. You don't know what, what even a handshake can do to somebody that is, that is just really in desperate need. That connection is what's important. Feeling the love of Christ through his people is what's important. So whatever that issue is, whether it be sin, whether it be financial troubles, marital problems, depression, job loss, the list will go on 
and on and on. We are meant to be that community with one another. Being the body of Christ, when we're assembled in this building and when we're not. And we also have to be in other churches, locally and abroad, helping them whenever we can, whenever possible, when, whenever necessary. Church, I challenge all of us this morning. Don't be the people that just go to church together every Sunday and that's it, right? Don't be the people that just ignore each other the rest of the week. Don't be the church that's known for staying to themselves to the detriment of the community around them. We have too many churches like that. Let's be the hands and feet in Jesus in this community. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus to other churches, like I said, in other towns, in other denominations, in other countries. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. The community needs these churches, and we need these churches. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for another day. Another day to live, live and serve you. Another day to, to live out our faith and glorify you in the highest way possible. Lord, we, we thank you for the abundance that you have given us. We thank you that, that we, by your grace, live in a country where we can come together in this place and worship you with no fear. And we continue to pray that that, that continues, Father. We pray for those that don't have that this morning. We pray that if a church in, in need arises or any person in need arises, that our church would come together and meet that need for that person. Because even though we are many within this building, we are one body within your son. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Great is your faithfulness forever. Amen.